Well, good morning. You guys got quiet there all of a sudden. I love that fellowship. I never want to stop that. So um, we're going to be in John chapter 8, verse 12. So if you want to get your Bibles, I'm just going to pray as we open. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the beautiful sunrise this morning. And Father, I pray that this morning that uh, as we come in here, that your people would have a fresh encounter with you through the word. I ask that you would just empty me of myself, that I'd be filled with your Holy Spirit, that you would use me as a vessel for your glory to speak to your children. Father, thank you for the blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 8, verse 12. And the title of this series is that you may believe. And we're going to continue on with this. Last week, Pastor Ryan taught about the woman that was caught in adultery. And Jesus did a masterful role in what he was doing. By responding, Jesus showed how mercy enriches justice. It's not that mercy doesn't hold us responsible for our sin, because it does. But Jesus says this, he says, Neither do I condemn you, and go and sin no more. We have no way of knowing what happened after this confrontation with Jesus with this woman. But we do know one thing, that when we encounter Jesus and his love and his forgiveness, that we will never be the same. And the first point I want to make is this. To experience Jesus is to experience new life. We experience new life when we experience Jesus. And we're going to talk about that today, this new life. Jesus is going to talk about the light of the world. And as Jesus gets started today, we're going to see him continue on with this dialogue that he's been having with these scribes and these Pharisees. And now he's in the temple treasury, which is located in this area which was known as the court of the women. And in this court, this setting was these massive candles, this display of candles, which were lighted during this part of the celebration of the Festival of Tabernacles. Now, it hasn't been lighted yet. But this is the setting of where we're going to start. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 8, verse 12. And it says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now this statement that Jesus says, the I am, he makes a lot of these great statements. I am. I am the light of of the world. Now remember this setting. All these candles that were there, they hadn't been lit yet. And these candles were going to symbolize the pillar of fire through Exodus, which symbolized God's presence and his protection and guidance toward them. And it was showing his Shekinah glory all over. And I can see Jesus, I think he's walking up there, probably got a smile on his face, outstretched arms, and he's going, I'm back. He's back. And he boldly proclaims this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is referring to himself, the Messiah. And perhaps I think that there might have been, if you look in the chapter before they brought the woman that was caught in adultery, it says at dawn. That Jesus was coming at dawn. And maybe he was comparing himself to the rising sun. We don't know that. But if he was comparing himself to the sun, again, he's making a claim that he's God. Because the Jewish people 
the sun symbolized Jehovah God. In Psalms 84, 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. There is only one true living God. And John talks about this as John goes through chapter 6, 7, and 8 of his message. He talks about the foreshadowing of Jesus through these three wilderness experiences that they had. He shows them Jesus through the manna when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Then in chapter 7, the water from the rock. And Jesus says, I am the living water. And last, in, verse, in chapter 8, the light of the world. Now these three things show one thing. Food, water, and light. And those are the things that we need to survive. Those are the things that we need to survive. In John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says this, In him was life, and that life was in the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The next point is, God is the center of all and the source of all life. Everything revolves around God. He is the center of our lives. Jesus is the creator of life, and his life brings light to all mankind. Jesus brings us God's presence, his protection, and his guidance. And I ask you a question, you guys probably know this. Do you know why darkness exists? Does anybody know why darkness exists? Say it. There you go. Darkness only exists because of the absence of light. It only exists because there is no light. It's just like the protection that we get from we have lights around our house at night. There's darkness until we turn on that light. And then that light reveals things. Well, that light that shines in our lives reveals man's wickedness. It shows us that we're all sinners because Jesus is the light of the world. And to follow Jesus means to believe in him, to trust him, and to obey his word. The results are that we will have life and that we will walk in the light for all those who choose to believe. In verse 13, it says this. The Pharisees challenged him. Imagine that, right? They're challenging him now. They challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Now, I can imagine what's happened here is these Jewish leaders, some of them left. They dropped their stones and they left. I'm sure some of the other ones came. There were more people coming. One person we know that left was that woman, right? She was definitely out of there, so she was gone. But now they're accusing now Jesus of bearing his own witness. They're saying, you can't do that. You can't claim to be the light of the world. Because these Jewish leaders knew that you can't bear witness to yourself. And Jesus is saying, I am bearing witness to myself. I am the light of the world. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. People who are blinded, unbelievers, cannot see the light. I'll tell you a quick story. How many people have flown lately on a plane? Anybody flown lately? 
Has anybody flown at night? When you look out, if, when you look out at that in the darkness, if you're at night and you see all these lights that are shining, I heard this story. You guys have probably heard this. It was uh, World War II over in England when uh, the Germany was bombing the English and they had to have these blackouts. And the reason that they had these blackouts was because the smallest, the tiniest light would reveal a target for them. So they had these blackouts so they wouldn't do that. And that's what Jesus is saying right now. Jesus is saying that light bears witness to itself. It's telling you that I'm here. I'm letting you know that I am here and I am the light of the world. And we need to have an open mind when it comes to this. And we know the need to know the truth about Jesus. They didn't have open minds. And then these next couple verses, it, it reveals a lot about who Jesus is and the way he handles this. In verse 14 it says, Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. In verse 18, it says, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. And Jesus is making it very clear He's making it very clear that their witness is not dependable because their judgments are faulty about who he is. They didn't know who he was. Jesus wasn't defending himself, but what he was doing was he was condemning those that declared his word invalid. Because he did have a second witness. Jesus judged on spiritual knowledge. They were judging purely in the physical he states that his witness is true because he comes from God. His judgment is true because he speaks from the Father. This was so masterful because he points out to them their own law when it comes to having two witnesses. Jesus is one witness, and his Father God, the invisible God, the Holy Spirit, who is always present with us, is the second witness. You know, their judgment of the woman earlier proved that they didn't understand the law or their own sinful hearts. They didn't know the law. So Jesus uses the law to answer their own question. He quoted it to them about the two witnesses. And he says, I have these two witnesses. But you don't know those witnesses because you don't know God. And you don't know me. In John 5, 37, it says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen him, his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. The witness of our Heavenly Father is right here in his word. The word of God is the witness of who Jesus is, and he is our Savior and our Lord. He is God. And then in verse 19, it says, Then they asked him, 
Where's your father? What a question, right? Where is your father? You don't know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. But they didn't know him. Their response to this, where's your father? How tragic is it that these experts of the law did not know that the Messiah was standing right in front of them? Jesus was the father. He was God, and he was right there in front of them, right here, right now, and you guys don't even see it. They claim to know the, the God's law, but they didn't know the God of the law. They did not know who that God was. Their spiritual blindness, they failed to recognize that Jesus the Messiah was standing right in front of them. They didn't experience God's love. They didn't know the Father, and that meant they didn't know the Son. They didn't know who Jesus was. And then in verse 20 it says, He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts, near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his hour had not come. This tells a lot about Jesus. This tells a lot about his bravery and what he was doing and his boldness to proclaim the gospel. His enemies were right next door, right in the Sanhedrin. They were right there. And what was he doing? He was preaching the gospel boldly. Would we do that? If our enemies are right there, would we have the power in us, the Holy Spirit, the boldness to preach the gospel? Well, Jesus knew his mission, and he knew his purpose. And when we truly know God's purpose in our life, there's no need to run from adversity. There's no need to run from that adversity. When the servant of God is in the will of God, they can have the courage and the peace to do kingdom work. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Anybody have trouble? But what does he say then? Take heart, because I have overcome the world. And that's important to us, to remember that. And now we're going to see another exchange between Jesus and these Pharisees, which comes to a fitting climax of this chapter. And in verse 21, it says this. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will, come, you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? Now, Jesus has already mentioned that he was leaving before. He's already told them that. But once again, they misunderstood what Jesus is saying. They don't understand the spiritual of what Jesus was saying. He's saying, where I'm going, you can't follow. And this statement about his death reveals that Jesus understood and knew the direction of his life. My question for us tonight, or today, do we know the direction of our lives? Do we know the direction and the purpose of our lives? Do we see that as we walk with Jesus? See the direction. When Jesus made these statements that they couldn't follow him, of course, now they're cynically and hopefully thinking that he's going to commit suicide. And the reason that they're saying that is because they thought in the Jewish law that suicide 
is that unforgivable sin. And that there's a special place in hell for someone that does that. And that special place is a place they were not going. So they speculated that he did that, and that's why they couldn't follow him. They didn't understand the meaning of what he was saying. But they were so focused on that word. Have you ever done that? Been so focused on something right there in front of you that you don't understand it, but you're looking right at it? They were so focused on that one word, we can't, those words, we cannot go where you're at, that they gave, paid no attention to the warning that he said, you will die in your sin. All we were looking at is, I, I can't go where he's going. Well, you can't. What they were doing is they were wasting time. They were wasting time, and the issue of salvation is a matter of time. Because tomorrow is never given to us. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation. Instead of arguing with Jesus, they should have accepted him into their lives. Recognize who he was. He was the light of the world. And their opportunities would soon fade away. And for us, the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life, that opportunity will someday be gone as well. The next point is to reject Jesus as our Lord and Savior will separate us from God for all of eternity. It's an important choice that we have to make. Do we believe who Jesus is and receiving into our lives? It's important because if we choose wrong, our destiny is eternal. And it could be one of two places. In verse 23 it says this, but he continued... You are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die of your sins. Jesus came from above, and they were from the world. There's a contrast from heavenly thoughts and earthly thoughts. Now, Jesus was returning to his Father, and he said, no one can go there. And no one can that doesn't believe that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior and see the light through the darkness. The only way to get to heaven is to know the Son and know the Father. To know the forgiveness and to know the grace through Jesus Christ. People will die in their sins if they reject Jesus. Unfortunately, many people take up the values of the world. We look at what the world has to offer us. All the pleasures, the power, the possessions. And we're blind to the priceless gift that Jesus offers us in salvation. So I have a question. Where are you looking at today? Are you looking at what the world has to offer? Or are you looking to what Jesus has to offer? Eternal life. Spending eternity with him in heaven. And remember, heaven is not the prize. Jesus is the prize when we get to heaven. It's not about heaven. It's about being with Jesus. Next thing, don't be blinded by this world's values and miss eternal life with God. In this next verse in 25, it's, it's important because they said, who are you 
They didn't get it. They didn't know who he was. They asked, who are you? And Jesus is saying this, just what I've been telling you from the beginning, he replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have learned from him, I tell the world. It seemed incredible that these leaders would ask, who are you? Jesus had given them so much proof on who he was. They were deliberately rejecting him, I think. And Jesus says, as I've been telling you from the beginning, why should I give you more proof of who I am? Why do you need that show? It's kind of like, hello, McFly, McFly, I'm right here. And they can't even see him. They don't even know. But Jesus, he speaks so eloquently. And when it comes to speaking, there's a time to know when to speak and a time not to speak. And Jesus demonstrates that perfectly. As he continued, he says, I have much to say in judgment to you, but he doesn't say a word. And there's special significance in this passage because it's that direct relationship between Jesus and and his father. He spoke from the father. What I have heard from him, I tell the world. Remember, Jesus is the word. He was with God in the beginning. He is there. Jesus boldly makes this claim. He says that he would judge, and the Jews, that judgment would only come from God. He claimed to be sent. He claimed to have heard from God the things that he was teaching. And they just didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was saying. The wise and educated religious leaders, their response was very simply, they didn't understand. They didn't know. In Luke 10.21, it says this, At this time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. As children of God, we come humbly and learn about Jesus Christ. And we receive him. We have to make up our minds who Jesus is. And to believe to receive him in our life. We have a choice to walk with him in the light and obey his word, live by the authority, and trust him in everything as God reveals it to us. And we have the Holy Spirit living in us. In verse 27, it says, They did not understand that he was telling them about his Father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. Jesus did nothing apart from God. And John tells us with the branches, right, that we abide in Christ and apart from him we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus we can do Nothing. Jesus acted on the authority of his Father. He lived in the presence of his Father. And now Jesus is going to speak about his death. And his death has significant meaning. He says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, this statement has a dual meaning. 
and a significance for all of us. He was lifted up in his crucifixion, and then he was lifted up in glorification. They crucified him, but it was bringing glory to his father. The two meanings, crucifixion and glorification. In John 10, 20, excuse me, John 12, 23, it says, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus saw his crucifixion in terms of glory and not suffering. And I believe what he was saying to them was very simply this. When I'm crucified and you lift me up, and the sky darkens, and the rains come, and the earth shakes, and the graves are open, and the veil is torn, you will know who I am. I am God. Even the Roman soldiers knew that. They knew who he was. And I just want to tell you right now, if you don't receive... Jesus Christ into your life. As soon as you die, you'll know that hell is a real place. You'll know that hell is real. Some people don't think it is, but if you don't receive Jesus Christ into your life, the light of the world, just like this, when I am lifted high, you will know who I am. If you don't receive me, you will know that hell is a real place. And then in verse 29, it says, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believe in him. Now, Jesus is making two more claims here. He's making two more claims that God has not left him. He is with me right now. And that I always do what pleases God. Would that not be a great claim for us? I wish I could say that. I can't, though. But Jesus, his lifestyle, that's what his lifestyle was. I believe that was his highest claim in his lifestyle, that he always did what pleased God. And as disciples, we're called to live and act in ways that please God. That's what we're called to do. Again, Jesus knew and understood the direction for his life. Jesus knew full well what it, the cost of the following God and his will in his life. Do we know that? There's going to be a cost. And Jesus says, they say count the cost because there's a cost to following Jesus. We may lose loved ones. We may lose friends. But there is a cost to do that. Now, this climax of this story, it comes right now. This shining bright light into the world because it says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. Amen. Many people believed. Whether this was true saving faith or not, we don't know. But by saying this, that many people believed indicated that they knew who Jesus was. And my question for you today is, do you know who Jesus is? Do you have that personal relationship with him? You know, our actions and our attitudes must be centered on Christ. Salvation is very important. It's a matter of life and death. People who live in the darkness and sin and reject Jesus will die in their sins. But we have a choice. 
while other religions reach blindly into the darkness in an effort to find God, and they walk in the darkness and they will experience eternal death. We believe and walk in the light and we receive salvation by grace and experience eternal life through Jesus Christ. Christians have the word of God to come to us, reaching down to each and every one of us, laying hold of us. Christianity is not a religion we hold, but it's God laying hold of each and every one of us. He sent his son to reach out to each and every one of us, calling us out of the darkness into the light by his saving grace. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to have communion, celebrate communion together. But I just want to ask you, have you seen the light? Have you received Jesus Christ into your life? Or maybe you've backslidden. And sometimes you feel like there's darkness, but the light is always there. The light shines bright in that darkness. I just want to pray a prayer with you. You can pray with me if you want to receive Jesus Christ, the light of the world, into your life for the first time. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I want to walk in the light. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to defeat death. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you and follow you all the days of my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to walk in the light of life. And I want to spend eternity with you in your glorious presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.